What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. We are fresh-faced and ready to go for Season 3, Episode 1, The Search Part 1. Uh, hey, you know what, folks? If you are just joining us, you know, like dipping in now that we're into Season 3, now that we're into the Dominion stuff, uh, my name is Keith Varney. That's Mike and Deglio. I'm an old-school Star Trek nerd, and Mike is just joining us on Deep Space Nine for the very first time, so he doesn't even know what's going to happen. It's very exciting. Uh, here we are in season three. Mike, how you doing? Keith, just like the producers of the show, they said, you know what? We need to we need to we need to amp up the action. And so here we are in our respective places. Um before we tried to give the illusion that we were in the mm -hmm. same place, but now Keith, through the, the magic of technology, we have our own Elkar system. We've got we're beamed in, we're ready we're on to tablets. go. Yeah, we're great. We, we've got uh, a battleship just off screen. We've got our own like warship because Always. We need more shooty shoots. Yeah, more uh, pew pews. So here we are. We'd like to thank you for joining us. If the algorithm has just served us to your faces and to your ear holes, we appreciate you being here. Uh, let's do this thing. Yeah, for sure. I am so excited to talk about this episode. I already know we're going to fight about it, so that's going to be Could exciting. Be. But Could before be. we do, we have some important people to thank, and that is the people supporting our show on patreon.com slash K&M. And you can join these amazing people who are supporting the show and getting all sorts of bonus chaotic nonsense as always mike who's doing it oh we've got our top tier brian kaufman casey clark bren joshua joining us so thank you for being a, a patron andrew hayes jorge navoa and the mysterious mysterious Worf. did you know he's got boot shivs and he's paying to see our bonus content crm he productions sure is. charles babaj Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky at Grim underscore toys and delusions at noon. There's lots of space on that space tile. You can get your name in it by joining the team at patreon.com slash K and M. And did you know, Keith, mm. uh, this season, Mike watches Deep Space Nine, which is my real time viewing of each episode before Keith and I discuss, uh, yeah. has gotten 100% more beautiful as I'm being joined by the CEO of the K&M Empire, uh, Jen Babiak and Deglio. Yes, I, this, this is so much fun. And as part of your bonus content, you can watch them, watch the episode. You can watch the episode with them, mm -hmm. uh, which is now that Jen's there, I'm a million percent more likely to watch it myself. Uh, it's yeah, me delightful. Too. I pay a lot more attention, turns out. Fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you have to explain what the heck is going on. Also You're now fun. me. Well, You're now me in the equation. It's it's really uh it's really fun. And quite an equation so, it is. Uh, indeed. So here is so we're doing another new thing this season. I don't even know if Mike knows about it. Uh, but we want at the end of every episode, we give the show a rating. One to a hundred self-sealing stem bolts. But what we want to do is we want to include your ratings as well. So in the YouTube comments below, uh, after this episode, tell us what your rating on one to a hundred self-sealing stem bolts, season three, episode one, the search part one is, and we will announce it at the top of next episode and keep going on and on. So we're going to have Keith's rating, Mike's rating and your the listeners viewers combined rating. We've got so, we've got CEO Jen too. Don't forget. Well, uh, that's true. Jen, we have yeah. four ratings. Yeah, so so it's uh, quite an average taking. If place you now. feel like 
I, you know, I love this show. I just wish there was more math. Yeah. Well, if here, Keith's spreadsheet we, could only grow horizontally. Uh, it in Yeah, my spreadsheets are pretty ridiculous at this point. Make sure you but save them, folks. Don't save them under last week's title. Don't save them. Oh, my God. I had to note this episode again today. But it's good. Now it's super, super fresh because cool. I have now noted it for a second time. So okay. let's talk about this episode. This is season three, episode one, The Search, part one. We Here we go. Deep Space Nine is the only Star Trek property on the air at the moment here in the fall of 1994. The now, Search, part one. Yes, Mike? Keith, did I read properly? Did I read correctly in my abbreviated readings as to not be spoiled that mm-hmm. now that TNG is off the air and Voyager's but a zygote of a television show. Uh-huh. That Deep Space Nine has been given the full-throated endorsement of using all of the lore from the other shows and everything. Like we, whereas I believe Voyager was limited in what they were allowed to talk about, right? They, just the Delta Quadrant. We were allowed to explore all species and ideas through all the quadrants. This is what I think I read. Well, all of the shows are, always were. We, we, we always were. What Voyager... The limitation for Voyager is they, once they're out in the other quadrant, they don't know what's happening here. But so I, I read this, in, the, in the companion, you could pull it mm-hmm. up, maybe check my math, but that, uh, that was, that was a design, that was a, like a design decision. They decided it was, that was just like, because they didn't have the demo that Deep Space Nine had, they didn't allow them to break any new lore. Only, only the, the, the main show could do that. Oh yes, yes. To 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 do establish, the big, yeah. To, to establish new big canon stuff, yeah, for sure. Because next next gen was the one establishing the the fate of the Federation. Where now, very much Deep Space Nine is establishing the fate of the Federation. Uh, here on September twenty sixth, nineteen ninety four. Uh, I'm excited to hear Mike sing this song it's too bad jen's not here because the song is from your hometown of philadelphia boys to men's i'll make love to you mike take it away i'll make love to you like cork wants me to and i'll make you pay every Second of the day, it is pricey, but a special price for you. Even though I, it better be cheap, because I spent a lot of money on the car today, and then the cat cost a lot of money, so I, I don't have a lot of money to make love to you. Okay, like so, you want me to. So, all right. So in the so I'm 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 just don't want to break this down, right? I'll make love to you. I'll make you pay. Okay, so a so there's one. Is that a threat? Is uh, is is making love to you a punishment, or are you a prostitute in your version of the song, Keith? You know what? Don't try to analyze my lyrics. They're very deep. <laughs> They're layered. All right. Mm, bop. Uh, no wait, not mm, bop. I'm thinking uh, A B C B B D. That's another. That's a deeper. Uh, that's uh, that's from the uh, the other uh, boys to men song. Okay, boys to men. A B C beep 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 beep. All right. Well, beep beep, Mikey. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's gonna way. be great. Well, luckily, luckily, it's gonna be our top song for a little bit. Okay. So you're gonna get a, a draft two of punishing people <laughs> with your lovemaking. The top movie, no punishment at all. A guilty classic, Time Cop, 
in its second week of domination, Jean-Claude uh, Van Jean-Claude. Damme. Yep, yep. Time Cop classic. Watched it on VHS, rented it big time. Uh, but if we weren't um, being punished by your lovemaking or watching Time Cop, what were we watching on television here in the fall of 94? Fall of 94, September 2-5. That's a Sunday, Keith. Uh, 26. It, so it actually, on, it went, went on Mondays now? Yes, according to IMDb, and again, it was a syndicated show, which means it aired whenever the local network wanted it to. But for some reason, the official date on uh, on IMDb has switched from Sundays to Mondays. Oh, this is great because they actually track m- m- many more shows that take place. The weekends have been tough for me. So this is great yeah. news. <clears throat> okay, well, Keith. Yeah. So we Good talked news. about this not long ago. Um, Monday Night Football is our biggest competitor uh, the Buffalo Bills defeated the Denver Broncos 27 to 20. Mm. Uh, we also had a great show on ABC airing a new episode, a show I loved, you might remember, called Coach with Craig T. Nielsen. Ah, yes. Had to love it. We also had The Nanny was airing in its first initial run. Uh, there was a, 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 a CBS also had a show following The Nanny called Dave's World, which I don't recall. Do you remember Dave's, Dave's World? World? Sure. That was Harry Anderson, wasn't it? Was it? Hold Look it on. up. It was followed by Murphy Brown. Uh, so Another yeah, classic. And followed by Love and War, which I don't recall. Followed by Northern Exposure. So CBS was firing on all but Northern Exposure was a was a banger. Yeah. Uh, Fox was combating that with Melrose Place, followed by Party of Five. It was Harry Anderson. Nice. Ha ha. Uh, so a lot of great TV coming on. So that's uh, that's what was happening. And of course, we following all of that, you had mm. your pick. You could go uh, The Late Show with, with David Letterman, or you could go with The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. So those were your picks at the time on Just, September 26, 1994. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, uh, lots of good options. But, you know, if you really wanted to uh, do, some, do some more, some heavier reading to keep up with the, what's happening in the world around you, you could check out are, of course, classic weekly world news headlines. And this week, uh, guess what? They found a 400-year-old UFO in the Grand Canyon. Did I pull uh, that in? Oh, come on, Mike. Did I Did I not pull that in? Oh, because I didn't know uh, where to put it exactly. Oh, that's true. I didn't. No, no, no. That's true. I, I built out the whole new thing. We'll put it in next week. Uh, the The picture's there, but I didn't tell you where to put it. So, a, well, you know, for this week, apologize for the just. The, it's uh, our pilot. Yeah, yeah it's fine. It, it we we've done a new graphic. So there it is. It's amazing proof of an alien colony in America, thirty five hundred years before Oof. Columbus. Uh wow. Well, there it is. I, I we was wondering how the pyramids got built, but this was in America. So nice. It's like uh, it's like the Mormon pyramids. All right. So uh, now that we've done that, let's talk about the episode, shall we, we, Mike? Yeah. yeah. All right. I think there's a graphic for that. There it is. The Defiant zooms in. Very exciting. Okay. So once again, season three, episode one, The Search, part one. It is directed by Kim Friedman, who just directed The Gem Hadar, the season finale of our last episode. And it is written... Bye. Welcome to the show. Uh, a, a tremendously exciting new person to come right on the show. And that is Ronald D. Moore. Mike, do you know who Ronald D. Moore is? I think he's uh, 
He's just one more than he. I think his brother. He's brothers with Ronald B. Less, right? Okay. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, no, Ronald D. Moore is a uh, fantastic writer who wrote on a mess of Star Trek. He wrote 56 episodes of The Next Generation. He will write 30 episodes of Deep Space Nine, two of Voyager. He wrote the uh, wrote on Star Trek Generations and Star Trek First Contact, which is the best mm-hmm. of the Star Trek movies, and would go on to uh, create uh, a little show called Battlestar Galactica. Ooh. Uh, the phenomenal reboot series. Uh, if you haven't seen it, anybody watching this has seen it. It's fantastic. Also, uh, he created Outlander, which is still running. So uh, ask your mom about that show. It's uh, it's really quite something. So uh, he wrote, this is his first Deep Space Nine episode, and it has a story by new showrunner Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Which means, Mike, I think it might be time for uh, a little trivia. Let, oh, tell me I put it in. Yeah, I did. Woo! Now, Keith, waste your time with trivial trivia. Ba-ba-bam. Keith, you can tell I'm distracted as I'm the cat. Yes, people. well, Mike, Mike is dealing, Mike is being a good cat dad. Uh, Cece is, is. Is this the right getting, graphic, by the way? It is. Okay, cool. Oh, except I spelled it wrong. <laughs> Wait, that's even better. That's better. That, that's great. Oh, uh, it's now canon. Trivia is spelled with only one I. Yeah, it's, it's not important. I, it's this, trivial. It's not important, right? I, I think this really encapsulates me. The amount of effort I took into building that graphic, that that warp trail is from a Star Trek Discovery poster, which I stretched and... and uh, and adapted to give it a little bit more motion. It's layered on multiple different ways in Photoshop. It's got uh, it's got another uh, you know uh, effect going on to brighten it up. I pulled the uh, the baseball, had to cut it out and do a drop shadow and do all of that work, and then I don't spell trivia right. Well, win some, this, lose some. This is me in a graphic. Tremendous amounts of effort, not a lot of attention to detail. A, 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 a ton of attention to detail. But not all of it. So I've tuned out already. Let's move forward. Keep an eye out. All right. So here we are in our trivial trivia. There's a couple, there's a bunch of changes here for season three, uh, starting with some uniform changes. So let's talk about those. Uh, Odo gets some changes to his uniform that he had requested after we met Mirror Odo and had a much cooler uniform. The biggest change that you will notice is he now has a collar. Which is something that um, always happens on Star Trek. For some reason, they always start like, no collars, no collars. And then as the show goes on, the actors are like, give me a collar. And then by the end of the series, everybody has a collar. Uh, Pro tip, just give everybody a collar to start with. That Mm, way you don't have to keep adapting it. Um, The other big visual change that you're going to see in the uniforms are, guess what, Mike? The communicators are different. We have gone... From the original Next Generation style communicators to the updated communicators that have like the the bar that opens. I should have brought some. Anyway, you can see it in some of our graphics. Um, But the communicators first shown on Star Trek Generations, which has aired. Or has it aired yet? No, it hasn't aired yet. 
but uh, they were certainly f- have filmed it at this point. So new communicator pins, uh, new update for Odo. We also have a new DP. So Jonathan West joins as the director of photography for this episode and will stay on for the rest of the series. Okay, welcome, buddy. We've had a lot of good things to say about the about the photography in the first two seasons. Hopefully, he will continue that fine work. We also have a new set. We have a big giant new set of the wardroom, i.e., their office or their their meeting uh, table and uh, and meeting space in there, which looks phenomenal. Um, super excited to have that. It's I feel it's one of the iconic pieces of the Star Trek set, and it's weird to not have, or you know, the DS9 set. It's weird to not have it yet, right? Um, but uh, they clearly put a lot of money into it. Looks fantastic. The table looks great. It's the equivalent of the uh, of the observation lounge on the Enterprise D. And lastly, uh, the character of Michael Edding- Eddington joins uh, this episode as the new Federation security officer. Uh, and he was originally added merely to cover up for Colin Meany about to go film a movie for a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, you know what? He sticks around. Oh, sticks around for a while. So, um, so that's... What about new uh, cloaking lady, Rami? Ah, yes. The new Romulan lady, Tarol, who I will introduce in our guest stars. Okay. Uh, so first oh, off... she's not first... sticking around? Well... She may or she may not. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, She's not a main caster is what you're saying. You said guest star. Yes. Yes. As is Michael Eddington. They're both guest stars. Um, So uh, Martha Hackett plays Tyrol, who is the Romulan lady, who you might also know as Seska on Voyager, uh, a, a much larger character, as well as a whole mess of other characters that she played throughout Trek. Uh, Michael Eddington, as I mentioned, is played by Kenneth Marshall. We also have Jonathan Fleck as Ornithar, the uh, the, the ridiculous guy, uh, who you might know as Silic on Enterprise, and lastly, Salome Jens as the female changeling at the very, very end. All of these people are veterans to Star Trek already and would go on to do other things in Star Trek. So bringing in some heavy hitters for this episode. Mike, are you ready to go into the screening room? Keith, I thought you'd never ask. Yeah, it's time. All right, shall we open the curtain and reveal the teaser of season three? Here we are at a staff meeting. It's three months later, which gave Odo a chance to grow himself a collar and everybody to swap out their comm badges and Dex to uh, give herself a big Elvisy updo it pompadour. Is, it is quite pompy. It's uh, There's a lot going on there. And... Uh, Kira is running the meeting, and the meeting basically is, guys, we are trucked. Uh, we, uh, we're right here by the mouth of the wormhole. The Dominion is going to attack through here at some point if they attack, and if they do, we 
are toast. They estimate they can survive about two hours before they are overrun. And uh, they realize they have two choices at this point. Um, They can abandon the station and retreat to Bajor or collapse the wormhole. So that's a sort of a sort of bad bad options here but yeah, you can see right. right there that's the new communicator pin. Hmm. Which I I like that one. I think of all of the communicators that's probably my favorite design. Okay. I don't hate I think it. it's a little bit sleeker, a little bit more modern. Um I don't like the contemporary ones. The the Picard era ones. I, I for whatever reason that are not as exciting to me as these ones. Uh so Basically, we, we're restacking the situation. Everything is uh, uh, bad. But then, somehow, something shows up right outside the door. It's a cloaked ship. And we discover, don't worry, it's Cisco himself flying a brand new Federation ship called the Defiant. And it has a cloaking device. Um, so I need to tell Mike here, the Federation does not has never had a cloaking device you didn't steven iron bear is quoted as saying we don't sneak around uh no steven i i steven bear was like we i want to sneak around uh, but the gene. star trek uh, rule gene was like no we don't sneak around um so this was certainly for us trek nerds was a very shocking moment to see a cloaking ship uh, a cloaking device on a federation ship um, and so uh, we have a new ship here that the station gets to keep, uh, which I found very exciting. So did you read, Keith? Because I read uh, the reasoning behind that, apparently. Uh, initially was they were looking at um, the demos and the response to seasons one and two and the young men who watched the show, which was the, the prevailing uh, um, demo, Basically wanted less politics and more shooty shoots. So here we go. They're like, we got to get a ship. I mean, that was part of it. Yeah. I mean, the, certainly the, the, you know, the criticism, the, the, the stereotype criticism of Deep Space Nine is it was a parking lot in space. Ah, and, yeah. uh, but, the, you know, this, A, allows us to have more, more pew-pews, but it also allows us to travel a lot more. And I think gives them a little bit more credibility those little runabouts like were worthless Mm. they didn't even look cool they didn't do anything so i was certainly very excited to have the defiant and all the things the doors that having the defiant opens up so cisco explains what it is it's a prototype that the federation developed to fight the borg but it was scrapped because the ship has design flaws It's basically too powerful for its size. Its engines are too strong. Its weapons are too strong. It'll tear itself apart if you pull it to maximum things. Um, But it has no bells and whistles whatsoever. Just guns, guns, guns. Um, Which, awesome. Yeah. And that's exactly what we need at this point. And um, so the cloaking device, and I should explain... um, how how do they have a cloaking device? They explain, well, you know what? It's on loan from the Romulans. I thought that was a cool and, little wrinkle. Yeah. And so she's there. Terrell is is there just to run the cloaking device. Um, and I think that I should also... Mike, how much do you know about the Romulans in general? 
Uh, they, they're not great at a party, is about the m- most I know. Yes, so throughout uh, Next Gen, and we, we first meet them in the original series, uh, but in Next Gen, they are very, they're an adversary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are very much, uh, you know, they're, they're scary, they're shadowy. Um, they're they, based, they have a lot of beef with the Vulcans, right? They have beef with everybody. Well, they, they, they and the Vulcans evolved together and split. Um, and the, the Romulans became very militaristic, very, um, shadowy. They, they have some overlap with the Cardassians. They're, they're not as brutal. They're much more, I'm going to, they're, they're, they like, I'm going to do this Bond villains mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to like the full evil Cardassians. Um, but to have a, you know, the, the new, the neutral zone is between the Federation and the Romulans. And so they're all in, and so it is a sort of a cold war thing going on there. And so um, anyway, very much an adversary to have a Romulan on a Federation ship is a, is a big deal. And if you watch next Gen at this point, you're like, Oh my God, there's a Romulan. They've made a deal with the Romulans because of the threat of the dominion. And I think it really, um, if, if you know the canon, you realize, Oh shit, this means the Federation is pretty scared about this. And as are the Romulans too, um, to actually have them be teaming up. So I also think that our Romulan colleague on the, on the, what's the ship called? Freak. The Defiant. Defiant. Uh, yes. Is very much if they took, Jed and I agreed, if they took the Golden Girls costumer and said, space mm-hmm. it up. Oh, with, with the shoulder spa- pads. Yeah, she's Space Golden Girls. Romulans are all about shoulder pads. So the the Cardassians have shoulder necks, <laughs> but the uh, the the Romulans just the shoulder pads. Yes. So anyway, so Cisco explains who Taral is, who this lady is. Ex- we intro- he introduces Michael Eddington, who is the new head of Federation security on the station. So he's sort of like Primin Two. If you remember Primin mm-hmm. from season one. Similar hair, um, too. Similar hair, similar vibe, just like generic white guy security guard, uh, who Odo reacts to exactly the same way both times. However, again, um, reinforcing how seriously the Federation is taking this Dominion threat. And that, like, we need to have our own head of security here on the station. And, of course, setting up a pissing match because, you know, Odo is now no longer in charge. Um it's going to be Eddington. And he explains we all have a mission from the Federation to go into the Gamma Quadrant and try to find the founders of the Dominion and see if we can talk this so out. So we don't negotiate with terrorists. We only negotiate with terrorists' leaders. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, they're not, you know, at this point, they You're haven't right. been terrorists. You're absolutely They've right. just been an adversary. Um, so, but it's, it's a big deal. So we, we've brought in all these people. We're going to put up the big new fancy ship. And, uh, to, we learned that Terrell knows everything already. Cause that's another part of, uh, what we understand about the Romulans is that Romulan, Romulan intelligence is fantastic. They know everything about everything already. Um, so they have their version of the obsidian order it's called the Tal Shiar, lots of stuff. Anyway, so Odo is super pissed mm-hmm. about Eddington immediately already. He threatens to quit again. Cisco's like, I hate this, but the Federation kind of just doesn't trust you. Yeah. 
<clears throat> an interesting thing we've learned about Odo uh, across. Uh, yes, he's good at his job, although we've there are plenty of holes to poke into that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say this. You know, we're, we're so used to your Captain Spock's or your Lieutenant Data's who operate from a place of... None of those are right, but okay. I mean, that's part of the course, right? Uh, <laughs> what, what's his name? Did I say? You said Captain Spock. He is a captain at some point in okay, the movie. Okay, so not wrong. <laughs> lieutenant Spock? He was a lieutenant on his way to becoming okay. lieutenant what commander and commander. Mr. Spock. You mean Data. Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock, yes. And whatever Data. My point being, uh, don't neuter me before I start. Uh, very logical, generally. Very logical, and uh, here, Odo has always been very quick to fly off the handle, very emotionally centered, um, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's different. I will say, here, it, it it annoyed me, because if we've seen anything over the past few episodes specifically, Odo's desire is to operate security unilaterally with almost no oversight or rules or any sort of, it's very like shadow NSA. And he has to know that that is the antithesis of what Starfleet wants, of what the Bajoran Mm -hmm. government wants, basically anybody. And it got, it clearly, yeah, maybe that's how they did things when the Romulans, not the Romulans, when the Cardassians were in charge, but that's clearly can't operate that way. So his, his, kickback or his like hissy fit for over some oversight is a little unfounded i think well he's well i mean i understand why he's upset however he is very upset very fast he's very touchy especially he's even very after territorial Bo- Kira and, he's very and ben are both like yo we're on your side we're working on it but i gotta take order from somebody and so do you so here we go yeah yeah uh, no for no for sure and i i think he is reacting unreasonably um and but but I think you're exactly right that Odo is tremendously emotional, mm-hmm. and I think we we sort of expect him not to be, but he has shown over and over again he's stoic on the outside, but he's got a lot going on on the inside. So that so vis a vis, if you will, I am interested to find out: should we find Odo's mm. people? Should we come upon yeah. Odo's people? Will he prove to be an outlier with his passionate emotional? Uh, response to things or will that be a common trait amongst changelings yes have you watched episode two yet no okay well there we go uh yeah so 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 currently for me they're still just soup people they're just they're just goo people Mm -hmm. yeah okay well uh cool well put a pin in that okay so i I could uh, try but it it might just like ooze in (laughs) (laughs) Put some cornstarch in that, it'll harden yeah. up. Yeah, that might be super glue or something. All right. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> dry it out. So we head into uh the Cisco quarters, and Jake and Ben basically have a have a really cool conversation where they both realize that sometime along the along the way, Deep Space Nine has become home. Yeah, it's a it's a cool exchange. And that you know, they they first showed up. They both hated it. They they felt so far from home, and now all of a sudden, Jake's twenty seven. Jake is twenty seven, right? You know, Jake's like, oh my god, my kids running around. No, he's, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and and Jake knows that Ben feels that way because he brought his collection. He yep. you know he he brought his uh, his football card. He brought his Star Trek action figures uh, there. So now it's home, and uh, he collects African art, which is really cool. 
Really cool. And, and I love how uh, they just like dribble in different episodes. This one being just dribble, just like how good of an investigator, how smart Jake is. Yeah, maybe he doesn't want to be part of Starfleet. Maybe we don't really know where he's head, but he is smart as hell. He's he's lick smart. He is he's smart as hell. And the word I would use is observant. Observant. And uh and in and in the path that Jake takes, it makes perfect sense. Observation is a big part of the path that he takes. Um really, really cool. And I also like the 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 use on Star Trek, the representation of diversity is sometimes really lazily done mm-hmm. and and stereotypically done. And we see it a lot on Voyager with with Kim and Chakotay. But here, the fact, you know, that that Cisco's being black is relevant. And it's not, you know, it is it, it's a part of his character and his, him collecting African art. Makes sense. I feel like that had to be an Avery Brooks touch. It does feel that way. I don't know for certain, it, but it does it feel feels that way. organic yeah. and not shoehorned and, and which is saying feels something. I know meaningful. you said it can be lazily, but I'm gonna. Get, I'm sorry to to throw a blast out, but I was watching and uh, I'm still trying making an attempt to like give the new Quantum Leap reboot a benefit of the doubt. I had mm-hmm. a friend on it last night and I gave it a I gave it a watch through, and I have to say this: what they are. I'm I'm going to make the assumption that their that their um, uh, motives are in the right place there. That why, but it seems to be like oh now he's leaping into a this ethnicity. Now he's leaping into a this ethnicity, and let's let's show all the and then they have literally lines that are like well you know us Indian people we always come to the help of it. like they just like insert you know like culturally relevant comment here and you're just like it, it reeks of such forced representation not that it's not still important and vital but but when it seems pigeon or uh, uh forced upon you yeah. it, it just it reeks or and it it seems inorganic in that and, and i actually don't know but in it, the example you gave it seems like written maybe by somebody who's not of indian descent hard to say and, uh, and 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 my critique might be unfounded it just feels that way versus here, where it felt like a relevant part of what you would assume Ben would be like, right? So it yeah, feels I mean, like there a, was probably some input. It, it feels like a character choice mm-hmm. and not a, like, let's shoehorn in a leprechaun for the Irish guy. But also <laughs> indicative that he is trying to bring some of his culture and history from Earth and from his, his that that line of heritage to make sure Jake is acknowledging it in the present, in his and, new... And, and I, I, I think that I think that's exactly it. I think Benjamin Sisko is very much aware of his culture and history, and that's a relevant part to his life. He is not, you know, his the the the, the history of his people are relevant to him even today. It's it's not Star Trek as a post racial world for him. It is still a part of it. He still feels that. And we're going to see more of that moving forward. And I think it's great. And, that and like, to hey, ground, you know what? This is relevant. And to ground our sort of uh, insinuation that he had some part of it, let's not forget our, our cutting insight from the 1993 TV Guide interview we read with Avery <laughs> Brooks. Yeah. Where he said as much that that the impact of being the first black captain or first black leader on Star yeah. Trek was not lost on him, and how he found how important it was to represent both that heritage, but also a positive 
African-American father-son relationship Absolutely. on the screen. And we're getting both yeah. of those things. And yes, and and that's, and I think that, you know, and, and uh, Kate Mulgrew did the same thing as the first female captain where, you know, her being a woman or him being black is relevant to mm-hmm. the story. It is a part of it. It's not just like we're going to ignore it. Um, or do it in some hackneyed way. It, I don't know. It's a great touch. I think it's it's just really really not. I love this scene. Um, it shows jammies included. And Space jammies are great. Space jammies included. You know, it feels like our we're growing. There's actual story and character progression happening here in this change. And there's another one coming up, which I think is really cool. So later, Kira catches up with Odo, and she has gotten the Bajorans to invite him along. He knows it's just Kira's attempt to make him feel relevant. She's a good friend, um, and he's not particularly welcoming to that, but she really does show up for him and mm-hmm. and finds he takes it as condescension, but she really just is trying to support him um, and send him along this mission, which, you know, ends up being important. But uh, he's not sure he's going to go. He's, she says, the Defiance leaving at seven. Hope you show up. He's like, I'm going to go lock myself in this room with my glow light posters and listen to Tool, and I'll come out when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel like Odo would listen to Tool. Yeah, Odo is in his very 17-year-old moody phase. Exactly. I'm only going to listen to as Pop. As long as you're under my roof, Odo, you're going you're gonna to obey my rules. <laughs> oh, we need a goth Odo version. <laughs> his fingernails it's just black. P- Pearl Jam, Tool, and posters from Hot Topic. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Uh, I, you know, but like, Tool is too heady for, like, lazy goth. Tool, tool is... No, he's anyway. smart. <laughs> he's super smart. All right. So it's it's not like eyeliner goth. Okay, so in Act 2, we go to Cisco's office, and Ben extorts Quark into going along the trip. Quark, of course, does not want to go because it's a suicide mission. He's not an idiot. But Quark is the only person who's established a trade deal with the Dominion when he establish it with the Karama to get Tulaberry wine in uh, a pretty good episode in season two. Which actually also was the- important. I, I like the, how they ever retconned it because it doesn't feel like the Dominion's been on the slate for a long time. Um, because my first comment here, my first thought was, and I was about to say it to Jen, I was like, yo, you're telling me there's this huge adversary and Quark's known about them and has dealings with them and hasn't brought it up to anybody. But then if you remember, it was real shadowy even with the Tulaberry wine stuff. Like there's, if there's so many surrogates, we'll come to see that later. Well, right, exactly. Yeah. So so many different layers, but they 100% mentioned the Dominion in that episode. They did, that is but, the first but, but they don't know much about it. Even the Negus is like, well, Negus is like, well, I don't really know. Well, right. Well, and we find out that it's very intentional on the Dominion's part. Uh, so anyway, uh, he doesn't want to go, but of course, Cisco brings out the staff of the Grand Nagus who ordered him to go. He then makes Quark kiss the staff, which pisses off both Quark and Armin Shimmerman, and it does seem to delight Avery Brooks. It's amazing. It's also we, like, we can't afford the extra guest star this week, so we're just going to have the prop. That That's right. That's right. No good. We don't see Rom. We don't see the Nagus. Yeah. We, uh, well, we, we, we spent our money. We spent our money. So later, <laughs> he's so happy. <laughs> look at that. Oh, the look on Avery Brooks's face at the end of that scene is classic. So later, you know, you never see that face on Picard. You also, I never saw this chair before. Is that, are those lips? What is this chair? 
These are the new chairs in the new conference room. The it's, new like, set, it's like new one of those chairs? like husband things meets the lip seat from uh, Full House. Eh, let's not spend any time. Let's go. Let's move on. Yeah, let's just keep going. So Dax comes in to talk to Cisco in their new kick-ass wardroom set, like I said. She asks what Starfleet thinks their chances are of succeeding. And he's like, slim. He points out that he can't let the station fall because he can't let Bajor fall. His passion is back after Jennifer died and his feelings, his his feeling of obligation to Bajor has also developed. Much like the station is now home, his relationship with Bajor, you know, and, you know, as the prophet, uh, as, as the emissary, that is, of Bajor, he's starting to really feel like I cannot abandon Bajor. I must protect Bajor. So he has dueling purposes here. As a Federation officer, he's trying to protect Starfleet and the Federation, but he obviously has some loyalty to Bajor, which is growing and developing, and uh, Dax is seeing that. And we're seeing here, uh, new DP, still kick-ass lighting. Yeah. So... Uh, but she points out, your passion is back for the first time after Jennifer died. And so um, he really, you know, we first meet Cisco as a shell of a man. And so only now are we really starting to see him reemerge um, after, you know, going through the grief process. So we head to the Bridge of the Defiant. Here it is. It looks awesome. It's smaller and simpler than the Enterprise. But I think it looks amazing yeah and i feel like you know even me who doesn't have the full weight of the nostalgia for for tng or for the original series or any other star treks there's something when you see him sit in that chair and like everybody in their little stations and he's like engage uh, it, it did a tingle for me oh absolutely well also it's starfleet because we've been on a Cardassian station this whole time. And so there's there's the nostalgia for it being a ship, but also to see it's all L cars. It's all the Starfleet gray. It's uh, So I guess in like Starfleet, if you like go to Starfleet medical school, you also learn to be like a ship pilot and stuff. Because isn't he like... Yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to, to, be, okay. a, to be a Starfleet, it's like basic training. Okay. Right. You have to have a basic competency for all Because I feel like the, when we all get on the ship to like do a, like our battleship, we probably get like a guy who's... Maybe Doc should stay back and like be a. I guess they well, need I, a doctor on it. The, oh, they definitely need a doctor. They should probably have. Well, but there there are Helms people there, uh, but you know they die. So okay, yeah, uh, that's true. He he needs to step in. So, um, but yeah, they have basic competency. I he mean, he has a hell of a double axe handle. I'll say that. I mean, it's very important. But hey, if you're a doctor in the military, you still have to learn how to shoot a gun. If you're a singer. It, you're all, my entire job is to be an anthem singer at events under the guise of the military. You still have to go through basic training. It's pretty. I always think it's pretty cool. I don't know the full story, and unfortunately, he passed away. So, but Jen's dad um, has a Purple Heart um, hmm. from, I believe, Vietnam, and but he was a he was like a chaplain. Yeah, it's like that. You know, so he clearly there's some bravery. Ex, well, you know. I mean, chaplains freak are frequently yeah. up on the front, first front lines, like. That's pretty cool. super dangerous. Uh, anyway, so uh, Bashir and Quark are both complaining about the Spartanness of the sick bay and the quarters. And just before they leave, Odo decides to show up after all. Of course, they head out for the first time. It looks so freaking cool. We have great hero shots of the Defiant heading into the wormhole. The lights turn on. It's Ooh, cool. the tingles. 
Do they make a toy the, of that? Is there a defiant toy? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yes, there is indeed. So, uh, yeah. And uh, they cloak as soon as they get into the Gamma Quadrant. Um, and one of the deals, I don't know if it's mentioned in the show itself, but it's mentioned in the Bible, the agreement with the Romulans, which was also the agreement with uh, with Rick Berman in order to allow them to have a cloak, is that they're only allowed to use it in the Gamma Quadrant. Mm. Um, so that was a negotiation both in canon and in real life on being able to use it. Uh, so they... Uh, they head off into the Kara, towards the Karamat system, and Bashir tells Odo he's going to have to bunk with Quark. Bashir insults Quark uh, for no particular reason, but we just love doing that. And the quarters are only bunk beds with no windows. Again, establishing that the the Defiant is like guns only. We don't have it. There's, there's no holodeck on the Defiant. Um, it's also really small. So uh, Odo wants Quark to shut up because he's turtle-heading his bucket time. Yep. And he wants some privacy, uh, which is a great <laughs> scene of the two of them. So uh, on the bridge, they detect two Jem'Hadar warships, and we have a submarine sequence where we test the cloak. They build suspense before the Romulan lady is forced to admit that the cloak isn't perfect when they're at warp. Um, which is a uh, important thing for the Romulans to admit because they own the cloaking devices and Federation has spent all this time trying to figure out how to see ships. And she's like, yeah, there's this flaw we haven't told you about mm. that you could have detected us when we're at warp. Uh, the Jem'Hadar ships keep searching. Jem'Hadar ships, which unfortunately I know, you know what they look like? Bed mm. bugs. They look like the underside of bed bugs and it makes me disgusted. Well, they're they're intentionally designed to look like beetles or look like insects. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it's it's not good. Ha, Mike, you should really read my second novel. It's no. all about little bugs that eat you. No thanks. You should you know, come on, man. Been there, Any paid that. <laughs> paid what? Oh, bed bugs. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Yeah, me too. We live in New York City. It's inevitable. Uh, anyway, the Jem'Hadar ships keep searching, and they realize that the Defiance power signature is too strong as well. Again, little ship overpowered. So they cut main power, and that finally works, and the Jem'Hadar ships leave. See, I want to point this out. It's important to me because it's a nit that I, I'm hoping I don't have to have. I get okay. the whole, like, let's have a, a ship so we can have pews and do all that stuff. But let's just be honest. Space battles is not what Trek has shown to be great at. You know what I mean? There's some that are serviceable. I wouldn't say that they're the best parts of the episodes. I mean, when they happen sporadically, it can be exciting, but it's not their... Uh, bread and butter. And mm -hmm. so I was happy here that early in the episode, they already established that, look, we still going to be doing our puzzle solving, our problem solving. Let's figure out, let's have a good sequence of events of why they can see us. What's, let's brainstorm some ideas and let's enact a plan in the moment. And, oh, okay, we, we, we escaped detection this time. So I'm glad to yeah. see that continue. I don't just want to see like pew, pew, pew all the time because that's not no, no, no. And, and, what and I'm here for. You, you won't. I mean, you know, obviously the, there's probably going to be some space battles that will uh, be better than anything they've done ever on Trek. Um, but, you know, it's, again, it, it's still not about that. It's about these political machinations more than anything else. Um, but, you know, but they also, 
it's a hunt for red October sort of a deal running silent, trying to hide, you know, from, so I, I, that's why I think the cloak is really important Mm -hmm. and the cloak is really fun. Um, so, uh, we arrive at the Karama planet and Quark negotiates for the location of the founders with a Karama crazy person. So cool. He claims to have no information for a while, but then he eventually explains that his only contact is with the Vorta. And whatever the Vorta says, they do, because if they don't, the Vorta will send in the Gem Hadar. He eventually says, the way we contact the Vorta is through a subspace relay. And he pulls up a map. And on that map, Odo sees the Omarian Nebula on the screen and becomes obsessed immediately. Which is interesting, but I have a bigger question about this scene. Why the hell is this karma crazy person allowed on the bridge? Why is he allowed to access the computers? This feels like a security breach, an insane security breach. Times is hard, Keith. Desperate times, desperate measures. There is no meeting room no t- because they just have guns there. Because they didn't have the budget to build any other rooms on the Defiant because they spent so much money already. Uh, Keith, now, if you, were, if you were really dedicated to the season premiere of Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm, you would have mm-hmm. taken your shaver and just shaved a giant, just one straight, stripe. Straight up. Uh, Mike, <laughs> I'm over 40. <laughs> you don't I'm know if it's coming back? anything because yeah. I don't know if it's coming back. Yeah. Exactly right. I have not taken any risks. I'm gonna hold on to it with my dead hands forever. Anyway. I, I gotta tell quickly, uh, real quick. I was on a cruise ship doing a thing, and I went to get a haircut. Right, and uh, turns out, no, no shade, but the, the you don't. It's hard to get a good haircut anywhere but here in the states. They don't do haircuts great in a lot of other places, or not the the way we expect them. Anyway, on a moving ship. Yeah, this guy's doing a haircut on me, and he's like, "So, what are you gonna do about your thinning hair?" And I was like, "Listen." I understand that this is an upsell for your keratin treatments or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, but you don't say that to a guy over 40. You just don't say it. If you think that's going to no. make me buy stuff, you're out of your GD mind. No. It's going to make me buy alcohols is what it's going to do. Because <laughs> I'm not doing anything with this. I've like, been taking Propecia since I was 30. I'm on when top it, of it. When it goes, it goes. This is uh, this is this is good. This is an all natural creep. Yeah, you to gotta the get, catch it early. Get your, if you have sons out there, people, you, when you buy them his first baseball club at eight, just throw in a thing of Propecia. Just start it early. Keep keep what he's got. <laughs> you might lose a couple inch, inches on the growth, but you know, uh-huh. at least love hair. <laughs> you, you have to massage the oils into the baseball glove, then do your head. You do them both at the same time. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, where the heck are we? Obsession. So, all right. So yeah. So we we I want we to know go to the there. realize station. I need to go to there. Uh, so now that they have the info, Quark pieces out and stays on the planet because he's smart. Later, Kira goes to meet Cisco in his bump bunk. It is small and <laughs> cramped bump. in the bump. Yes, uh, it's the same bunk as the other one because they only built one set. And Kira wants to talk about Odo. They're both worried about him, and uh, Cisco sort of relays again that Starfleet doesn't trust him because he's not really a team player. Which, uh, you know what, there's truth to both sides, right? That they can trust Odo. Odo's great at his job. He's also not really a team player and does not operate the way Starfleet does. So they both sort of have a point. So they arrive at the relay station, which is apparently unmanned. 
Dax and O'Brien beam down and discover the security is suspiciously lax. How could you possibly think it might be a trap? Which, to be fair, I think they did know yeah, it was a idea. trap. They did yeah. it anyway. Uh, of course, they are abducted by the Gem Hadar, and the Gem Hadar ships are headed there. And Cisco makes a very interesting decision here. Very interesting. Because he reluctantly leaves them behind and and heads off. He says Dax would do the same. Dax would do the same. No, and like it's I'm not saying it's the wrong decision, but it is definitely a uh a a difficult war decision. Mm -hmm. It's a Cisco decision. It is the it, it is you know like it is something Cisco would do. Cisco understands the stakes of this of this and um, when you really think about, you know, of course he says, like, I think they'll be interrogated. Well, he doesn't know that. He might have sent his best friend to die yeah, in yeah. that situation. So it's a it's the stakes there are pretty high. So uh after they do that, Kira goes to talk to Odo, who is who's listening to Tool. <laughs> Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, okay. So yeah, it wasn't in seven eight. Uh, so here, uh, so he is now completely obsessed with the Omarian Nebula, and he wants to leave. He needs to get out of here. I need to get to that Nebula. Yeah, and and this scene is good in his performance. That it's it's you you get the vibe, even though you kind of you knew where this was headed, but that it's not just an obsession. That he's there's a physical pull taking place, and he does very he very good. It's very it feels almost like a, a drug addict. It feels very right. <clears throat> that that perhaps his agency in this is less than you might yeah. think. Yeah, for sure. Then the Jem'Hadar ships arrive out of nowhere, and there in Act 5, there's a giant space battle. The Defiant's crazy guns blow a Jem'Hadar ship out of the sky, but they are getting their ass kicked. It looks uh, great. It looks great. Looks amazing. Yeah. Lots of damage. Uh, a, a red shirt dies. There are sparks and fire and rumbling. You know, uh, it's really Mike. You know what a red shirt is, yeah? Just like a rando person in a like Starfleet uniform who is expendable. Uh, yes, but the reason they're called a red shirt is on the original series. Like three quarters of the episodes, four people burn beam down. It's Spock. Kirk, McCoy, and one random guy wearing the red security outfit, and you know he gonna die. Oh, that's bad. And okay. so, uh, <clears throat> so it's been a running joke on Star Trek forever that if you're wearing the red shirt and we don't know who you are, you're gonna die. Okay, fair. Uh, so so we, we lose one. It's all part of the great tradition. Um, so uh, meanwhile, Kira and Odo are stumbling through the wreckage trying to get to the bridge. Then the Jem'Hadar board... And they start the fight. They arrive. Also, now, I arrive loved this too because you remember in the, in the last episode, season two, season finale, we got close-ups of the Jem'Hadar and their faces, their makeup, everything was so great. And then you see them briefly through the fog in this episode, and they're like, "Should we spend that same money on the makeup?" They're like, "No, no, 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 just give them like a mask, a Halloween mask, because <laughs> this no. is not as good." No, no. Well, yeah, the 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 hero ones we see are the detail work's not as great, but. Well, there's also a little change, uh, which I'm not going to bring your attention to, but it's important to the plot later. Is it the chin pokies? It's 
it's not that not the chin not the chin horns. Um, okay, but okay. we'll 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 get to it. Um, but uh, yeah, tons of fighting, lots of uh, lots of explosions and fire. I you know I mentioned last week how much I love seeing practical fire and sparks on the set. It's not safe. You would never do it again today because it could all be done digitally. But this is all practical. You see fire on that set, it's fire. You see sparks, it's sparks. Awesome. Smoke, boom, boom, boom. Uh, the ship is completely overrun. And, we just uh, got this ship. Just got this ship. Kira is shot. And we fade to black. Kira then wakes up on an escape pod with Odo. And instead of flying back to the wormhole, guess what? He flew them to the Omarian Nebula. Uh, you're welcome, Kira Norris. <laughs> you're welcome, screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> For, it, it is amazing with a screenshot. These obscenely <laughs> attractive people, yeah. if you get them in the wrong frame. Like, Nana Visitor is stupid attractive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the face anyway. Um so uh, he doesn't know what happened to the Defiant. And we don't know what happened to the Defiant at this point. But he did find a rogue planet in the middle of the nebula. And they beam down onto the planet and discover a lake of Odo goo. And guess what? People start emerging out of the goo who look just like Odo. And then a female one, the Lady of the Lake, shows up and says to Odo, welcome home. And that is the end of part one of The Search, Mike. Ooh. Wow, big doings. After two seasons, we have found more shapeshifters like Odo. Pete, that's pretty pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm stalling right now because I know what's coming next, and I realize... Oh, you know what? Let's skip it. Let's just let's just go. Let's just go. Let's let's go along home because or move along home because I know you've got a cat appointment. Okay, that sounds we'll, we'll good to do me. we'll do a double vocab quiz next week. Okay, fair. Let's move along home. All right, here we are. Everyone, stop what you're doing. Mm. Make sure you pay attention to the Alan Murray face on the Emmy. I want to make yes. sure Keith gets his due. That's right. He spent a lot of time sticking that gold face on there. I'm sure it wasn't easy to make it gold and make it the same hue of gold and then to just jam it on that Emmy. So let's... Well, and, oh, it's, and it's holding a Deep Space Nine! Now you see it! Oh, that's the best part. I missed it entirely. <laughs> Keith, do you know yes. what that is right here? What's that? That's the Spitfire poster. I still don't know what it is, but I hung it up. I got, oh, it, I got right it framed on. and hung it up, yeah. Looking good. I love it. Uh, all right. So, um, Mike, what do you say we uh, discuss whether or not there may be some wormholes in the plot? Yeah. Um, you know, there, there wasn't really any I could really come up with. I mean... I think that the one you mentioned earlier, the security on the bridge there and just letting that guy kind of go around and sniff things and like put his fingers on the, the stuff, that would be kind of one of the, the big ones. But hey, 
they took they 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 neutered Odo a little bit in his security abilities. Maybe he would have advised them differently. So we could probably put that on Odo. Uh, and then I was going to say Odo's kind of overreaction, but I guess he's there's there's precedent for the way he reacts to being to kind of having his authority questioned. So no, I don't see anything big or major and glaring. Keith, I'm sure you can help me out here. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the security on the ridge of the divine is is a big one for sure. Um, but again, you know, desperate times. I'm sure that they have a. I guess with technology like this, you, I would imagine that I would build in a like safe mode of the bridge. So you, you press one button and all the displays and all the thing because it's all you know it's all digital, it's all touchscreen, so it can be anything. So you just swap it out. You do like the kid safe version of the bridge and you just do all of that. So I, I, I guess like it's not much of a security break, breach to say like there are chairs yeah, and displays. Um, I so mean, that, that's, also the other thing I, I kind of I brought up, I understand why this happens because TV show. But so if these are his best people, right, then you'd think you'd want maybe a lot of them to stay like back on Deep Space Nine because that still is their prime. Isn't Deep Space Nine pretty important? Like we should probably have like our main crew there and then he brings like actual trained soldiers on this like away mission with him. Or I, I, I feel well, like it's still weird for me that like the doctor's flying the ship. But I, I – well, uh, I actually dis- – I disagree. Um, a, this is not a fighting mission. he wants his trusted mission. people with him. This, this is a, a diplomatic mission that they're attempting. Um, and that he needs his absolute best people. It's it's a nearly impossible mission. They have to sneak in. It's diplomacy. It's subterfuge. It might be battles. It might be all those things. Plus, as we establish in the first scene, it doesn't matter who's on who's on Deep Space Nine. If they attack, they're toast. Yeah, that's right. And so, like, what are they going to do? Like, sit there and think about how screwed but they also, are? Didn't 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 they estimate they had two hours before they were coming? Like the fighty fights was happening, so they're just no. Like, no, 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 no. They, they were saying that if the fighty fights happen, uh, they will survive for two, for two hours. hours. Okay, great. So it's okay so to be like, left for a little while with a baby. With yeah, because there's, there's no point. Like, there's no, they're not going to do anything. So um, I think that's that's sort of... And we left other security guy on Deep Space Nine. We Yes, we left Eddington there. Okay. Um, but we but we took Odo. Paddington so, Bear is still... Paddington Bear yeah. is is there. And Eddington is, is the only wormhole that I might have because... Um, it's not a wormhole, I guess. I guess it it makes sense. It's more of like a writing wormhole, and that is Eddington and the Primin introductions were just too similar. Like I get that it wouldn't it would happen, but I think there was just a better way to do that that wasn't literally just copy pasting a beat from you've already done on the show. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you make the character different or you make Odo's reaction to it different or the reasoning behind putting the character there different. I don't know what it is, um, but I, it's it's almost like when Ira Stephen Bear took over, he didn't remember they had done that because he wasn't on the show at the time. Um, it, it's almost like that. So, But it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, It's not like the Primmon thing was a big part of the story. It just sort of happened. All right. So now let's talk about our best moment. Ah uh, yes, can't wait. Uh, we 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 sung the praises of the Ben and Jake moment early on. I loved it. I think it's probably the one of the top two scenes. But I also think the I just love that there, because of how much promise exists in that thirty second scene with Odo and the Odo people and the changelings. <clears throat> I just think 
I think that's the best part of the episode. I think it's it's better than the the season finale cliffhanger. I just think those last thirty seconds are the best moment of the episode because of every door it opens. It opens so many doors as far as Odo and his character development, but also they could these changelings could be anything. They literally have opened themselves like a writing Pandora because they could be anything. They could be you know like the freaking they could be badder guys. You know, they could be the, the salvation for us. We don't know, right? They could be anything. So I'm excited about it. The challenge I think it it opens is like, do they always live in the goo? Do we have to keep having these bad effects? Because the only real bad effects is when they de-goo and goo. Is the gooing, yeah. So could we like, yeah. could they just like not be in the goo for a little bit? Well, I don't know, so much. <laughs> but uh, not goo. But that's my favorite scene is the goo. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, certainly as a cliffhanger, that's like a holy crap. That's very exciting. I think for me, I think it is, it's it's the two scenes where we see the progression of Cisco's relationship with the station, with Bajor. You know, it's the scene with Jake and it's the scene with Dax where um, the station is now home. I really like that as an idea. And as somebody who has, you know, traveled far from home, like... When did New York become home? When yeah. did the city become home? When will New Jersey become home? You know, it's 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 all changing. What is my relationship with my childhood home? And I think that that is, um, it's it's really interesting. It's very universal. You know, it's like very sci-fi, but it's it's you know. And when does the fate of instead of Bajor, the local politics here? You know, whether it's a school board fight or whatever it is, like when does that become important? And mm-hmm. and I I like those transitions that we all make. So I thought I I like that um, from the storytelling perspective, from the acting performance, but also like Deep Space Nine has more character development and more story development than any other Trek. Mm-hmm. And and I think we're 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 seeing the you know the fruits of the labors that we we did in the first two seasons. I like that transition and. Uh, the reveal, you know, the reveal of the Defiant. Yeah, seeing cool the Defiant. Too. Oh man, it's so cool. Um, you know, like I'm when I when when they introduced it, I was so excited about having a, a kick-ass ship to play with. Um, so I like that. Anyway, so I, I gave like sixteen of them. So, uh, Mike, let us hand out some stem bolts, shall we? Now, Keith, should we start with me? Should we go to Jen? Should we? Where, what do you think? Order-wise? I think we should finish with Jen. Okay. Because she's the CEO. She, You're right. She, That's she get the final word. So listen, things change for me a little bit here because I've just been told how now the door is open and now the great episodes are beginning, right? That we, right. We so, so my expectations have have grown. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great episode. I think that they did a good job of establishing that there's a new normal and and we're taking uh, offensive measures. We've got the new ship, which I think is cool. I think, like you said, the progression scenes are cool. We see where everybody's at. Um, interestingly, the, the, the season finale led me to believe that this threat was really imminent and that mm. um, even though they said, don't come through the, it seemed like they were insinuating, don't come through the wormhole and we're good. It felt like it was less of that. So, the stakes felt very high, and this episode feels like they're addressing those stakes, but also it feels like they're not as high. Like, we had to kind of reestablish, because you can't start at an 11 to start a season of television, because it's like, where are you going to go? Right. And so that back-off felt a little... But then all of a sudden, the stakes jump again, and we're killing somebody, somebody dies, 
and we're blowing up again. There's always a fight. We just blew up the ship. So it it, it feels a little uneven as far mm. as I'm concerned. I also felt like the plot doesn't actually move forward a bunch. Now, I guess the cloaking stuff, the, all, all that setup is cool. But as far as like the narrative, nothing really happens until that last 30 seconds, really. Like that is like, mm. oh, oh, shit, this is where we're going with this. Uh, but also, I guess there are some stakes that when we just leave those people behind, and that felt like a very, like these are two times where Ben has responded in a way that felt a, understandably, because like War Ben is clearly in battle. Ben is different than normal Ben, who's a little more for sure, who, yeah, who, who tends to think on things a little longer. The the emotional uh, compartmentalization he's able to do in moments of high stress is still startling to me a little bit. <laughs> like it, yeah, it, it comes out of nowhere, and so that I'm still wrapping my head around it. I think it's a really beautiful episode. I think it's clear that we're in a new paradigm. I like a lot of the new stuff. The story left me a little, meh, we see this new character. Ah, uh, it was good. It was good. Not t- top tier. So I'm going 83 Stembolts. Yeah. Well, I, I listening to you talk, like I, I get it. And it's really hard to adjudicate a part one of two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And because like it, this episode. But also like, let me, let me stay. Like when you saw The Defiant, you were like jacked up. I don't carry any of the like desire to see a ship. Like I liked Deep Space. That was that's all I knew, right? So it's not like yeah. I was missing anything. And so some of the things that had a sort of a Trekian weight, I am mm-hmm. void of. And so, yes. so I'm a little more measured, I think. Contact. Well, and and, and that's and that's like the that's Romulan true. thing. The fact that I didn't know that it was amazing that we had a Romulan catapult. I knew that it was different. But it right. didn't, didn't strike didn't know me. The, the weight of yeah. it. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Um, so, yes, I, I think that definitely affects your experience of it, as does not having seen part two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because this episode does so much table setting. It does it, it like it basically it's it's table setting for part two, obviously, but it's table setting for like the rest of the series. And so. Um, when you really think about it, there isn't a lot of story. <clears throat> I mean, there's there's a, <clears throat> a lot of here's our new normal, here's our new setup, here are some new people, here's our new location, here's our new objective. But if you really look at it, they they get a ship, they plan to go, they go out, and they get part of the way on the journey and they get their ass kicked. Mm-hmm. There isn't a huge story part of it. Um, but I think, you know, having seen part two, um, it makes a lot of it makes much more sense (laughs) by the end of part two. And it makes more sense in the end, you know, (laughs) five seasons later. So, um, so yeah, I think as by itself, there's, there's a lot of table setting, um, but I think it does in, in, in exciting fashion, um, but yeah, if you don't have the huge association with all of it, you don't know what the Romulans mean. You don't know what the cloaking device means. Um, I get it. I get it. And and you know, having a warship in the Federation, Federation doesn't have doesn't do warships. So there's a lot there that's sort of new and different. Um, so uh, I think for me, um, I really liked it. I thought I found it very exciting um, because mainly because of context. 
<laughs> more than the 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 things by itself. So for me, I actually liked it a lot more than you did. Um, I'm really curious to see what you're going to think about next week mm-hmm. um, and whether or not it's satisfying continuation of that story. I'm going to give it 91 self-sealing stem bolts, the same as last episode. Uh, but we have a third opinion. And before we watch it, I need to remind you, you're the fourth opinion. Mm-hmm. So tell us how many self-sealing stem bolts you're giving this episode in the comments below. But let's listen to what CEO Jen has to say about the search part one. From the desk of the CEO. Out of 100? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've only seen a few, so it was exciting. Because we started right off from, like, mm-hmm. they just battle. left. They were like, what do we do? we got two hours. And then, like, things started happening. Like, I feel like the battle, like, seeing Cisco like, protecting. Odo was, you know, fighting. Yeah, no, that last bit. The welcome home. That's okay. chef's kiss. Yeah. 90. <laughs> okay. I was 90. really into it. I was right. really into she it. She loved it. Everyone was very good. She loved but. it. Jen loves Deep Space Nine. All right, there we go. I do. There we go. She's right with you, buddy. I will always. Jen and I will always agree against you. (laughs) It's fair. (laughs) Very fair. Very fair. We had a a great time. If you want to watch us, you can Mm. do so by joining the team at patreon.com slash K&M with all of these fine folks. You should be so blessed to be in the company of these people. Uh, You can join the team or you can give us a like, give us a subscribe. We've got other shows. If you're just joining us, uh, we'd love to have you. For sure. And for those listening to the podcast version of this, and I know you're out there, you can help us out by leaving a rating and review on whatever podcasting service of your choice. I'm Keith Varney. That's Mike and Deglio. All of our social media handles are below. Thank you so much for watching. We will be back next week with The Search Part 2 here on Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM. <laughs>